Hey, welcome to the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast with me, Rob Kosberg. Every week, I interview thought leaders and experts who have used the book to grow their income and their impact. So tune in weekly for these interviews so you can learn how to use your own best-selling book and go from hunting for clients and opportunities to instead being the hunted. All right. Hey, welcome everybody. Rob Cosper here with another episode of the Publish, Promote, Profit podcast. i uh, got a great guest for us today, uh, Mike Michalowicz. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about Mike. You probably already know because he has touched uh, millions of lives uh, through his book. I'm a big fan of his book, Profit First, but uh, some of this I didn't know. By Mike's 35th birthday, he had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. Confident that he had the formula to success, became a small business angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. I know how that feels. Uh, I've always heard that uh, it's difficult to spend multi-millions, but you can always invest it away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> truth. Hashtag truth. <laughs> Mike's, of course, the creator of Profit First. Uh, currently, Mike leads two multi-million dollar ventures as he tests his latest business research for his books. Uh, former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal and business makeover specialist on MSNBC. And of course, Mike speaks uh, on stages all over the world, the author of Fix This Next, Clockwork, Profit First, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, and of course, uh, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. So Mike, uh, great to have you on the show, my friend. And uh, thanks for, uh, I love the humility. I love, you know, uh, the way you share the truth right out of the gate with the bio. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think it's important. I, I, when I hear people read my bio, and thank you for reading that, at first, I'm like, oh, my God, I sound like such a tool. It's just like, oh, this guy's just ego. He's he so great. To, He's so great. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I just want to punch myself in the face. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, the reality is is those moments are just simple, short blips and highlights I've experienced. Right. I've been in the trough, too. Yeah. And um, I think that's actually where humanity is really formed anyways, those low points. Yeah, I completely agree. I love that. I, I have said several times when people have read my bio, I've said things like, uh, boy, that's so great. It sounds like I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> makes me sound so good. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's dive in. There's kind of two tracks we take always. The first part is I want to talk about your magic and, and what you're doing with your yeah. books to really help people and then talk a little bit about your books and how they've helped you. Yeah. Tell us the two ventures that you have right now in your business. How are those things leading to content? creation for new books for you right now, or maybe your most recent book? What does that look like? Yeah. So what I did, which is kind of, I think, unique for authors is I wrote books, which then kind of defines the intellectual property or the idea and concept. And then I formed licensees. I have companies that acquire the rights to teach or form a company around it. So that bio is kind of old. I now have, we're in our fifth company mm. behind one of these books. Beautiful. Yeah, and it's a great model. Two of those businesses, though, I'm an active participant shareholder. The other one, I'm, I'm basically the spokesperson for the company, but they're run by others. two others I'm, I'm involved in. What's great is I'm in contact because they all serve entrepreneurs with every type of entrepreneur every single day. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday, literally, I was connected with a violinist, a freelancer violinist who is using Profit First as a system to support their, their life. And they were able to through the COVID pandemic when live performances went away. The day before, I was talking with uh, people that raise horses in Canberra, Australia. Wow. Um, yeah, they raise these different horses and, and they use one of my books, Clockwork, for, for business efficiency. It's awesome to hear their stories and their applications of it. It yields two things. 
One is when I put the books out there, they aren't perfect. It's an opportunity to release our needs, which is revised and expanded editions of the books. And I'm actually, I'm just now contracted to re-release Clockwork mm. based upon stuff I've learned. But the other thing too, is they also present their new challenges. So I've written some books, but I only scratched the surface on the problems that are being experienced by entrepreneurs. And so when I hear a recurring theme from all these people I'm in touch with, I'm like, oh, that's something I'm experiencing too. I got to immerse myself in this, learn it, hopefully introduce it in a simple package to serve entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, I love that you touched on something I think is really interesting. You obviously are engaged in writing and creating content on a regular basis. I mean, you have uh, so much out there and it seems like you've really dealt with uh, being a perfectionist because, you know, look, you're saying, hey, our books, the books aren't perfect going out. We're creating second (laughs) editions and all of that. How do you deal with that? I mean, most authors I talk to, uh, it's so difficult for them to let go of something that they know, you know, maybe there's something I missed. They don't even know what it is, but they're afraid. Yeah, I follow, for me, it's a simple principle. Is this the best of me in this moment? Yeah. Like, is it's truly the best of me. I write every day. Uh, I start at 6 a.m. It's a religious habit. I actually do with other authors. I think it's a powerful thing to do it through a group. We connect via Zoom. We don't talk. We just say, here's our hour of writing. So we spend a power hour from 6 to 7 Eastern time every morning. And uh, I'm constantly writing. I Then when I produce a book, the... This is not my words. This is, came from a book called On Writing Well. The essence of writing is rewriting. Is keep on consolidating and compressing it so it becomes better and better. You keep polishing it. But at a certain point, I get to this is the best of who I am now. And when I put it out there, I also know more will present itself. But if I put the best of myself out here right now, Profit First, for example, the, the current iteration, the white cover, yeah. that's the second version of the book. It used to be a blue cover. And it was the best of me in that moment. And then it, it was being consumed by uh, readers and I was soliciting their feedback. Hmm. I encourage all authors to do that. Actively engage with your readership and say, well, you know, what, what can I do better? And uh, some of them will tell you. <laughs> Candidly, yeah. <laughs> when you hear enough times, that's something you could do better. Yeah. And it helped me improve the system. The interesting thing in the release of the, the revised and expanded edition, the book almost immediately doubled, if not tripled in daily sales volume, just because the book had improved so much. So that's how I do it. Love it. I love it. How long have you been meeting with this group of authors and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. What does that look like? I mean, you said we don't talk. We just, we show up we on write, Zoom. Yeah. And it, yeah. So how long have you been doing that and and what spurred that? Yeah. So I've been doing it actively probably for two years. The group's existed longer than that. It's run by a popular writer. Her name is AJ Harper. And she just started this. I think I have a whim. She coaches and teaches people specifically on writing skills. And she's like, hey, why don't you come join the group? And I joined it. I was like, I'm addicted. I don't miss it. No kidding. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a great habit. I, I did it this morning. Yeah, and uh, honestly, most time I write, it's like this is the worst material has ever come out of my finger. It's like this is just <laughs> like this is such crap. But thank God, thank God, this won't make it into a book. Yeah, and thank God I expelled this because it'd probably be bouncing around in my head for a while. I can get to the good stuff. Yeah. So every one of those writing days, maybe one tenth of it. Maybe I write on average in an hour. 600 words, maybe a thousand if I'm really just cruising, but it is shit. It is shit. (laughs) At the end of a week, it's probably 500 good words, but 500 good words a week over a year, that's 25,000 good words. That's half of a book. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. The way this group is set up, is there you know, an introduction moment? Is there any discussion or is it just- Oh yeah, there is. Yeah. So so the format is AJ will come on and say, 
Why are we here? What was your intention to be here today? You know, I'm to serve my readers or whatever you feel compelled to say. And some people put in chat. Sometimes it's five people. Sometimes it's like a shocking, like 20 people at six in the morning. Yeah. Everyone, you know, hats pulled down, coffee, the grimace. And then we sprint for 20 minutes. You just, she's like, all right, it's go time. Yeah. And after 20 minutes, we stop. And she goes, how many words have you written? Post in the chat. Tell me how you're feeling. Sometimes there's a little game played. She'll say, uh, what's the last word you wrote? And she'll pick like three or four people out. And like the word's like buzzard. And she's like, why did you write buzzard? And you give context. And then we go for 20 minutes. And we try to do again for the last piece, which usually isn't 20 minutes. It's about 17 minutes, three sprints, and you're done. Love it. Love yeah. it. I've never actually heard that before. Maybe that's a common thing, but I've never heard that before. I don't know if it's that common. That's gold right there. I mean, I, I told AJ, she isn't built for this. I'm like, AJ, are you, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, like charge it. This is the one thing I won't miss right. ever. Right. She says, no, I can't charge. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but, but she does get, she gets to get students out of it that just are crazy about her. So maybe it's a great marketing platform. Well, well that's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That's uh, mm -hmm. Tell me, uh, you obviously have a ton that you've written. Um, Profit First is, you know, it's like Journey's uh, Don't Stop Believing a little bit. Like, you know, right, like, right. It's, it's, <laughs> right? It's, it's like, you know, and so probably people are always asking about that or whatever, but that may not be what I you feel like is your most brilliant stuff, right? I, well, I don't necessarily feel it's my most brilliant, but I feel most compelled to talk about it. Okay. Listen, if I go see a Journey concert, which actually I did. Right. Uh, I did too. <laughs> Yeah, if they don't play Don't Stop Believing, I'm done. If I'm, that isn't the encore, I'm pissed. I agree. Right? I agree. A band has an obligation to play its number one hit. Right. An author has an obligation to speak upon the most favorite topic. Right. I'll right. talk about Profit First all freaking day long. Right. It isn't my favorite. It is my favorite in the impact it's had. I yeah. am so honored that I have a piece of work that's touched the life of some people in, in a significant way. Yeah. My favorite work is actually my least popular. It was Surge. And that's actually of all my books is the least consumed. It was something I explored in writing that I did in my other books. My other books are very linear how-to. This one was more ethereal, more considerate of, of concepts. It was my homage to like a Malcolm Gladwell kind of concept. And uh, definitely is not my playground, yeah. um, but it was fun for me to write. So I enjoyed that the most. But I'm most appreciative of what Profit First has done. Love it. Love it. Give me a little bit more about Surge. Obviously, that that's your favorite. So tell me, what's the the idea behind it? Give me a little more. So I think I found the, the key to unlock effective marketing, and it's not marketing. What it is, is identifying where there's growing demand and there's inadequate supply. And it's actually pretty easy to predict. All markets are in movements. And if you put a market into a channel, like a, a niche of some sort, and you simply monitor it, you'll see how it's changing and you can start identifying where there's lacking supply. Here's the analogy. If you and I were walking through the desert and we're dying of thirst and someone puts a stand selling water there, we're going to buy the water. Yeah. Prices of no relevance. Quality doesn't even matter. Bacteria, we'll take it. Muddy, we'll take it. We don't care. The only time that becomes a problem for that vendor is when the next water guy shows up and he's got clean water and it's half the price. Yeah. But that's when competition sets in. There is a time when there's inadequate supply and competition is almost irrelevant in any market and it's constantly moving. Surge is putting yourself in front of that so you can ride that momentum. I love it. I love it. Maybe even uh, a little discourse on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency with all of that being said. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really interesting. So as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going right to Amazon and buying it. 
Oh. <laughs> no, seriously. You're the guy, you're the guy who's buying. <laughs> no, I, I love marketing. I mean, I love that whole idea. Me and too. that's that's a very interesting way to think about marketing rather than thinking about it from the standpoint of you know, convincing somebody sure, or sure. or presenting yourself in the best way possible, really thinking instead about supply and demand. I really love that. That's, uh, that, that's yeah, and I cool. think that is step two. Step one is supply demand. Right. But step two is when competition sets in, now you have to persuade and convince. Right. We right. have an obligation to do that. And I believe it is an obligation. So my next book coming out is on the obligation to market. Right now, if we look at your business or my business, I both believe we could argue compared to our competition, your business is likely superior in many ways. You are a better offering than your competition. You've put more effort, more time into it. And I can say the same about when I analyze my competition. Therefore, if you are better than your competition and I'm better than my competition, you and I, we have a damned responsibility to market. That's right. If the customer buys elsewhere, it's a disservice. Yes. It's their problem, but it's our fault. Yeah. So I believe the second stage is to, if we truly believe we are of better service, we damn it have to market. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. It's a compelling argument and I couldn't agree more. I, I tell people on a regular basis, look, if you don't earn money from your passion, then you're going to have to leave your passion and you're going to have to get a job to make Ugh. money and Ugh. you're not going to be serving people in your passion any longer. Right. So you sure as heck better figure out how to monetize your passion if it's monetizable, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, let's change gears for just a minute. Let's talk about you're continuing to write books. You have a new book coming out. You've just mentioned that. Uh, love the idea of that one as well. Cool stories. How have your books grown your authority, put you at the forefront of your marketplace? How do, how do they continue to do that for you? So uh, speaking engagements is the first thing. I know we were talking offline a little bit about it. I dictate an absurd honorarium, in my opinion. Yeah. And it wasn't this way 12 years ago when my first book came out. I had to pay an absurd amount of money to get a vendor booth right. to try to hawk one book. There is a interesting, almost like hockey stick type of situation. Over time, I you know, got a few gigs for a couple thousand, a couple thousand, and then 10,000, and then 20,000. Yeah. And now I can't believe like some of the figures that are being thrown place my way because of the perceived right. value. I believe that for some authors, the volume of books we can sell moves us from an educational platform to almost like a celebrity platform, like a mini celebrity. Listen, there's guys like Simon Sinek. Those people are celebrities. Yeah. He dictates an extraordinary premium because when he walks on stage, an audience will run, not even knowing what the event's about yeah. or he's about. There's a certain point where an, uh, where an author becomes an audience draw. And that's when all of a sudden you start getting this. I've experienced elements of that in small communities. I have enough authority that people are like, Oh, because Mike's speaking, I'm going to go see that. And event hosts and stuff recognize that. And that's when they start paying big dollars. So to me, that's been, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's shocking. And it's a privilege. That's one element. I think what's really cool too, is the access to other authors. Mm. Like you sit in the green room with like Dave Ramsey and Seth Godin. This was just last year. I spoke yeah. at Entree Leadership, yeah. one of the events hosted by Dave Ramsey. And just sitting there, it's like, hey, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? It's like... All of a sudden, you're having like a, a regular conversation as opposed to a couple of years ago. I'm sitting there salivating, like, oh, can I touch Dave Ramsey's hand? Like, you know, oh my God. <laughs> right, like right. the access to these people and then how generous and kind most of those people are. Yeah. I'll speak to a couple of people. Don Miller, one of the most extraordinary humans, he wrote Story Brand, um, invited me to his house along with other authors. I, I said, hey, I want to get some authors together. He's like, I'm the host, I'm paying for everything, just get everyone down here. Wow. And so, I'll never forget, it was me, 
Don Miller, Ryan Holiday. Uh, it was all guys yeah. in this case. John Gordon, who wrote Energy Bus. James Clear, Atomic Habits. Yeah, I love uh, that book. Yeah. So I'm sitting, James Clear, Ryan, and we're just sitting like just breaking bread for a day. And then we go out and party together. Like to have access to those guys. Just to give you context, I, uh, I did a call with an entrepreneurial group that said, hey, we're, we're doing a book study. Would you be willing to hop on for five minutes? I'm like, absolutely. Hop on. And one of the people there is like, oh, I'm kind of fanboying right now. Like, I don't, I'm really sorry. And he goes, uh, if there's one other person here, I would lose my mind. It would be if James Clear was here. I was like, oh, I was just texting with James just about a minute ago. And they're like, oh! And the guy <laughs> fell off his chair. Love that. So the access to people that I admire and aspire yeah. to be like to learn from is that's it gets you indoors you would never get in you yeah know? yeah very very motivating i love that the books that you've already written are doing this for you yeah but you don't seem to be slowing down writing books at all right no wait give me well, insight into that it's more than just a habit for you clearly no it's actually a panic and maybe it's, it's probably compulsive so and truly i've been diagnosed what's called hypomania Hypomania is one degree below mania. Mania where is where there's no control. Okay. Hypo, hypo is you're barely holding the reins. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a hypomaniac and, uh, I, and I love that term. So that, that's a sign of a hypomaniac who loves that they have a problem. Well, people that are listening to this are, are like, wow, how can, how can I become a hypomaniac? You're making it sound great. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So there's this overwhelming compulsion to produce, but honestly, the beacon is a clear life purpose. So I identified for myself, I have to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. And that is this perception. You're, you start a business and the world thinks you're successful and you're yeah. struggling. That's why I call it entrepreneurial poverty. It's, yeah. it's hidden. And uh, because of my own stories, my own experiences, that is very visceral for me. Mm. I don't think I have enough lifespan regardless how long I live to complete the work. So there's a complete an urgency to write my own publishers, like a little bit of an anomaly. First of all, I don't have an agent. I think a couple of reasons why not have an agent, but one of the agents reasons is an agent slows you down. I don't have yeah. time to deal with an agent to get the publisher. So I, I work directly with the publishers, the president of the publishing department and say, listen, we got to work together or I got to find someone else. Right. And they're like, we got you. You're a weirdo. <laughs> um, the second thing is when most author, when you go mainstream publishing, you publish a book, it goes to print, you pitch your next book, you go to print. And so there's usually like a three year gap, you'll notice Terrible. among most of them. Yeah, it's awful. Years. Yeah. Me, I submit, and once I get the manuscript approved, so there's some copy out of developmental stuff, before proofreading, right between this gap, there's like a two or three week gap, they, they accept the manuscript and say, here's your next royalty check. And then they say, now we're going to proofread. That's my gap to pitch another book and get a contract, Love which it. is very atypical. Yeah. So I'm right now, my new book, it's called Get Different, is going to be printed, published in September of 21. I'm in contract for my new book that I started writing already that's coming out in 2022. So I'm stepping on the books, yeah. which is atypical. Yeah, I love it. You know, you mentioned earlier, I talk about something we call the hierarchy of desire, and you talked about celebrity, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, just truth be told, when you have books and multiple books, there is a bit of a step stool process. When you add that to speaking engagements, media PR, you know, Wall Street Journal, MSNBC, things like that,
like that, you are a celebrity in that space. Now, yeah, you know, a, Z, a Z list, like, you know, I don't go through an airport. <laughs> I don't go through an airport and people are like, oh my God, it's Mike McCallowitz. Yeah, but no I, one, wa- we don't want to be those kinds of celebrities. I'm no, sure you don't no, want that, I, right? I actually had that once where I was walking through a large venue. I can't remember what it was. A woman goes, oh my God, like the top of her lungs, that's Mike McCallowitz. And everyone looks, everyone looks back at her and goes, <laughs> Who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> and right. I'm like, Mike McCallowitz. Yeah, hi. hi, I'm Mike McCallowitz. And she's like, you don't know? And they're like, no. And then yeah. like she it was just the most deflating experience ever. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. I did have had cool moments. It's interesting to your point. I've done television work and books, radio, stuff like that. It starts a stepping stone, right? So you write a book. No one notices it. I remember my launch day. So I launched a book on day one. I sold zero books. And to give that some context, my own mother didn't buy a book that day. Like, it was well, zero. Yeah. It was a shitty day, but it put this burning desire to sell books and you start selling enough books. And then it's like, oh, maybe I can speak at some colleges. So I spoke at a couple of colleges gratis, but at least I was in there. I sell a couple of books, then Penguin calls and said, Hey, your, your book scan numbers are pretty extraordinary for self pub. Do you want to do a main pub? I'm like, yeah. And you try and start stepping. Yeah. Ends up, I got. I did a pilot for a reality show. It was called uh, "Go Big or Stay Home." It, was, it never went anywhere. But there I am in Lake Tahoe for a week with camera crew. You know, a crew of like fifteen people running around. Yeah. And I'm the host of this show. Yeah. But just to kind of wrap that story, everyone had nicknames for each other. It's real cool. They had the food tent, like the whole thing. One of the interns comes up and says, "Hey, we're getting coffee. Would you like a cup of coffee?" I'm like, "Sure." It comes back and it says. Hoss, H-O-S-S on it. And I'm like, in this moment, I'm like, I'm the Hoss. Like my, my ego, I'm like, oh my, my nickname's Hoss. This is awesome. I said, why did you guys choose Hoss? I said to the producer of the show. He says, that doesn't say Hoss. It says host. Ah. Go, he looks at me, he goes, no one knows what the fuck your name is. <laughs> and, oh, that's great. Oh, that's no great. No one knew my name. And I was, yeah, it just said host guy. Oh my God. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. So... You know, just like any endeavor in life, the second I think we get too inflated of our importance, yeah. someone upstairs says, no, you ain't that big of a yeah. deal, you yeah. know? Well, look, I, I love uh, I love your humility with it, but there are people that are paying you big speaking fees to be on yeah. stages because of what you've done, because yeah. of what you know, right? And you're making a uh, massive impact on millions of people with your books and uh, evidently aren't slowing down. <laughs> evidently, yeah, yeah. Your, I, your mania has you driven to do more and more and more. Yeah, I won't stop. I believe in nothing more than authorship. I, yeah. I truly do. I, I don't think the world needs more books. I think the world needs to discover more great books. Mm. And it's a shame that people aren't putting the effort in as authors. A lot of people are writing. They're not becoming authors. Yeah. Authors where you take ownership over the responsibility to market this, to yes. get the word out because it is important. Like we talked about, yes. if your book is better, you have a damn responsibility for the world to discover it. Love it. Love it. Mike, I think that's a great way to end it. Where can people uh, find you? Where do you want to send them to? A website in particular or just to go yeah, to Amazon? Yeah, I'm going website. Uh, it would be MikeMichalowicz.com, but I'll never use that because no one can spell Michalowicz. <laughs> go Fair to Mike, Mike Motorbike, as in the motorcycle, MikeMotorbike.com. Nice. Mike nickname from high school. And uh, I've never driven a motorcycle. That's a little side story. Okay. But that was my nickname. So you go to MikeMotorbike.com. That brings you to my site. You can see all the books I'm doing. Uh, Maybe as an author, you can copy some of the ideas and, and implement them in your own business. 
Love it. Mike, thanks so much. Thanks for your authenticity. Thanks for sharing. Love the humor. And I uh, can't wait to go buy Surge. That's the first thing I'm oh, going to do. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you.